I think I have enough here. I think there should be 25 copies there. So if there isn't enough, we can quickly make some more copies. Just, just hang on to that. We'll be using that a little bit later, or maybe you will be using that just a little bit later. And, um, and so that's what we will do tonight. We're going to continue in the um, lessons here and, um, uh, and deal with my part in the kingdom of God. And so hopefully, um, and we'll look at the, uh, the devotional here a little bit later on for you in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let me ask you a question here tonight while he's passing those out. What's the largest amount of money you've ever seen? What's the largest amount of money? I'm talking about cash now, not in this credit card stuff. Cash, cold, hard cash. What's the largest amount that you've ever seen? Ooh. $1,200? That's pretty good, isn't it? That'll get you by for one day, won't it? Yeah. Anybody else? 7000 in cash, cold, hard. Okay, yeah, you didn't count it, right? Okay, anybody here? Okay, over here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, she's become my new best friend. She's, um, yeah, she's got all kinds of books. Amen. Anybody else? Cash. We're talking hard cash. How much? Fifteen what? Fifteen thousand? Cool. That's good. Anybody else? We're talking about the, the stuff that you just printed the day before, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that, Bobby Oi. You want to hear mine? I'll never forget, we were remodeling this sanctuary here, and uh, we just about got done with it. Um, and, of course, we knew we were going to have to uh, probably borrow some money. It was about $75,000, I think, close to 80000 by the time we got everything done. We did everything down to the bare walls and, and so on and so forth. And I think we had raised somewhere around forty dollars or $50,000 in fundraisers. So this church is, can do that. Um, but we had a man that was in coming to church here at that time. He came up to me and he says, Brother Carnahan, how much is left? Because I was prepared to go down that day. The next day it was. I think this was on a Sunday. And I was prepared to go down on, on Monday and, and just procure a bank loan, you know, um, for, for, um, for a certain amount, $30,000. And he, he asked me, he said that, uh, that night after service, he said, how much do, do you owe yet? And I said, it's around 30000 He said, can you meet me at the bank tomorrow? I said, sure can. And so he met me at the bank, and he had a um, bag, um, you know, and I was kind of concerned about it. I thought, my goodness. But he had literally brought $30,000 down in a bag, not, a, not a, um, uh, like, a, well, like a satchel, that type of thing. And I'll never forget, I was the one that went to the, um, the teller, and um, we counted it out right there. Wow. And I thought to myself, that's a lot of money, praise God. And so that's my story, 30 grand. And it was all in $100 bills. And, um, and I didn't really care if he printed it the day before. We gave it to the bank and they took it. So that's what it was. And so that was a thrill. That really is. And so we see things of value, you know, that type of thing. And, and all of us have probably got stuff that, um, you know, that, that rank in that category, that type of thing. Tonight we're going to talk about a uh, little bit the talents. This is the, um, in, in the midst of the 24th and the 25th chapters of the book of Matthew. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but a lot of theologians call this the Olivet Discord. 
And this is, um, um, let me show you something here. This is where Jesus, in the 24th chapter um, of the book of Matthew, was just walking through the city. There they were, the disciples were. And uh, Jesus just made the comment um, in verse number 2 of 24 of Matthew. He said, See ye not all these things? He said, Verily I say unto you that, that there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, if somebody, you were with somebody, going, went out to lunch and that type of thing, and you were taking them back to work, and they were going down Gillette Avenue, and all of a sudden a person turned to you and said, you know, there's coming a time when there won't be one building left on, you know, in the, in the city block. Well, I don't know if you could let that one go. And, of course, the disciples, they couldn't. You know, they couldn't let that one go. I mean, Jesus made quite a statement. And so, in one of his favorite places to teach, and remember Sunday morning's lesson, we talked about um, Beth, Bethel. Remember that, uh, Jacob, and how there was a gate that was open there for him? Well, this is where he was. He was at the Mount of Olives. And so, um, uh, I don't know if this is uh, significant or not, but the, the one who can open the gates was there anyway. And so, while he was there at Mount Olives, it says, the disciples came to him privately and saying, and I want you to notice this in verse, 20, in verse number three, three questions were asked, not one. That kind of reminds me of my wife. When her and I are discussing, she'll ask me six questions. Well, maybe five. And, and then, which one do you want me to answer? You know, that's kind of how I look at it. But that's just the way he is. That's the way her mind operates. She just, bip, 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 you know. And we'll get to them when we get to them. But she had to ask them because they were on her mind. And I've learned to appreciate that. And I've learned not to get intimidated. I'll get to them one by one. Praise God. And in this situation, that's exactly what Jesus did. You know, look at this in verse number three. Tell us when, everybody say when, shall these things be? First thing on the agenda. When, when's this going to happen? And the next one is, everybody say what? It says, shall be the sign of thy coming. You see, there's a different question there. And then the third one is, after that, it says, and of the end of the world. Now, a lot of people, I remember when I was first in the church, a lot of people got this misconstrued. They were thinking that, that Jesus would tell them when the end of the world was, as is the physical world that you and I are in. And that's not what that word means. If you study that word out, it comes from a Greek word. I think it's A-N-I-O-N, I think is how it's spelled. But it means age. It's talking about a time period. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. So the next time you, you read, and you should read the 24th and the 25th chapters together, because it's talking about this very same thing. Jesus starts lining it out. And, of course, this has been a point of contention for a lot of people. Back when I first came into the church, there was a hot topic going on called pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation. And, I mean, you, you could get your brother mad at you. Seriously, by disagreeing with him. And I never got really too deep into the subject, but it, it, it never ceased to intrigue me. When's Jesus coming back? I think that's a fair question. Well, I think what it needs is it needs the proper interpretation of Matthew 24 and 25. Now, I'm not going to tell you I've got the absolute authentic one, but I will tell you I've been studying these verses of Scripture now for a long time. And I feel like I've, I've, I've come to certain conclusions, praise God, and, and so tonight, you know, as we look into the 25th chapter of the book of, of uh, Matthew, I want you to understand this is all talking about these questions. 
What are some of the things that are going to be happening? Praise God. And then in particularly when you get to the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew, it's very important because there's three specific stories that he tells that are very, very, very convincing. First one, of course, talking about the virgins, which in my opinion represents the church. You know, the bridegroom waiting for the groom to come. My goodness, if that, doesn't, if that isn't fairly obvious, I don't know what is. Uh, part of the um, <clears throat> confusion is what does the oil mean? What does that oil mean? Why didn't they have the oil? That type of thing. If you study your um, apostolic study Bible, I think in their notes they conclude or they feel like that it's talking about works. Because in the fifth chapter of the book of, um, of Matthew, Jesus talked about the fact that let your light shine. That all, what, what about, what light? Light, your good works. That men would see them and give glory to your Father in heaven. So, I, I mean, there's some, I mean, I can understand that. I, uh, back in the day, we used to, a lot of them were teaching that that was the oil, oil of the Holy Ghost. And, I mean, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer here or that type of thing, but, you know, can you see how sometimes you can get things a little bit messed up there? And that's why we need the proper interpretation, which, in my opinion, is the Spirit of God. That's what we need. And God will give us uh, the proper interpretation. I think a lot of times, especially when it comes to end time things, are going to be interpreted when they come to pass. Because people like you and me, we, if God told us 100 years before it happened, we would just be preparing for that one event. That's all we do. We'd just sit around, wait for the second coming of the Lord, and, and, and we wouldn't be doing what the Lord wants us to do. And Jesus talked about the fact that we need to learn how to occupy ourselves until he comes, which goes, leads right into the aspect of talents. See, the scripture teaches us that we should be able to learn how to minister according to the ability which God gives. And in my opinion, that's what we're talking about when we talk about talents. You know, you talk about um, tremendous people in our, in our age and in, in, our, in our world. Uh, you think about it, somebody made the illustration that you could take somebody in, say, the remote part of India or maybe even in parts of Africa, you know, who person who, who had some intelligence and that type of thing, but if they remained in that environment, they probably wouldn't become any higher than maybe a tribal chieftain, if even that. And I'm, I'm not here, this is not any type of prejudice or putting anybody down. I'm just trying to help us to understand God has put you in something called an environment. And that's what makes the talents that come from God work. See, a lot of what we see in the world is kind of a perversion of that. People have got talent. People have got. And uh, I guess the end of my point is you could pull that person out of India and Africa, put them into the university setting in a place called Harvard or, any, or MIT or whatever the case is, and that person could become a brilliant brain surgeon. Or they could become an engineer. They could become an NASA, um, you know, engineer. Now, what's the difference there? The difference is the environment. Do you see? That's why you and I have been placed in a tremendous environment with the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd start getting in the habit of thanking God for that. Instead of putting the church down and everybody that's in it and that type of thing, start thanking God for the people that you're around and the place that you're at, praise God, that you can lift up your hands and you can allow God to begin to take those talents that he's given you 
And by the way, he has given you talents, and so he has given me talents. And, and the paper that you have tonight, I don't know if we're going to get to that here at this setting, but take that home and really prayerfully think about that. What kind of talents has God given me? What kind of things could I be doing for the kingdom of God? Now think about that. And that's not, in, you know, I don't expect a, an instant answer with that. I think we need to contemplate that. Because, you know, um, uh, there's no question about it. God has given us things that we can begin to um, excel in. And what we have to understand is that one of the reasons he gave it to us, and if you study that, that middle story, you know, the first one is about the, um, um, the, um, uh, the what I just said it. Virgins, okay, thank you. I'm sure glad you people know what I'm talking about. Um, and, you know, that one, but the second one, the talents, he's talking about servanthood. And that's, you know, a place where our talents really need to go. If you really want to study something out on your own and let the Lord show you something in servitude, study the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. Read it from verse number 1 to approximately verse 10. And what you'll find in the midst of those verses there is you will find what I consider the servant gifts. And in my opinion, that's where we need to go first. You know, if a person never learns to be a servant, I remember Billy Cole saying one time, he said, you know, he said he, said he has nothing against our Bible colleges, but he said a lot of times we're just teaching people to preach. And he said, that's okay, that's part of the plan. But he said, if he's, in his observation, he said that if a person learns how to preach before they learn how to win souls, he said they very rarely become a soul winner. So what are you saying? I'm saying there is a proverbial cart that sometimes gets before the horse. And sometimes we do excel in things that God says, well, it's not that I don't care for that, but you don't have the fundamental things down right. And so that's why God deals with people about obedience. That's one of the first things that will come in the conscience when people begin to recognize that God is talking to them. God will deal with them about things that he wants them to do. And then usually what will happen is either they're going to reject it or they're going to accept it. And then they can begin to walk on. And so again, you know, this is what, what we need to contemplate. The third story that's in the 25th chapter of the book of of uh, Matthew, and again, we're talking about the Mount Olive, Olivet Discord, we're talking about end times, has to do with the separation between the goats and the sheep, and that's going to happen, and in my opinion, that's going to happen at the end of the tribulation period, that's what God is going to do, Jesus will be here on earth, because he came back to take care of some business, and so that's what he will do, praise God. He will separate the goats from the sheep. And that's an honest question that we need to ask ourselves. Do I have a goat mentality? I think you do. You've got one built in called your flesh. And it needs to be subdued. It needs to be taken down on a regular basis. It really does because if you allow your goat mentality to take over, you're just going to do whatever you want to do. And pretty soon you're going to find, what is life? Life has got no purpose. Yeah, it doesn't with just you involved. The only reason you and I have purpose today is because we've been put into the environment of the church. Can somebody say amen? Do you feel the Holy Ghost in this place? I do too. I feel like God is really trying to anoint somebody here. And I'm telling you that it can happen. It can happen on a night like tonight. Praise God. A snowy night in Wyoming. Make a good country song, wouldn't it? 
But the bottom, bottom line is, you know, God can do some things, and that's what he wants to do in Jesus' name. And so as we look at these things, here in just a little bit, we're going to look at your um, devotional books. I think there were some very good things that were, that were given as examples in that. And this is why, you know, we have, we have so much that we can, we can glean from, and, and God can help us to do that. But you think about it, you know, one of the things, let me just start off with this, you know, the parable of the talents, okay, or, or the one that, he's taught, that we're going to be highlighting here tonight, praise God. You think about it, all the talents, now think about this, all of the talents belong to the master. When he gave them out, these, these guys didn't have anything unless they were, they were given to him. You know, that's what I appreciate about John the Baptist. That's one of the things that he said when he was confronted. Oh, you know that guy you baptized the other day? Man, he's holding services now. Now there's people coming to his church. My goodness, John, shouldn't you get ticked off? Shouldn't you be mad about that? And John said, wait a minute here. Let's just settle the case. You don't have anything unless it's been given to you. That's what he said. And then, of course, his, in my opinion, that beautiful thing that he said that I try to pray for on a regular basis, he must increase and I must decrease. That's what the talents are really help, are designed to help us to do. They're not designed to bring self-glory to you. They're not designed so that people can look at you and say, oh, man, isn't he great? And that's the problem. I, ho I hope you don't mind. I didn't check with you before I said this, but I've been at this for a long time, the music business. And one of the places in the, in the, in the church that probably can create some of the most problems, not in this church, but in churches, is music. I've seen it. I've seen it divide con congregations. I've seen people get mad. I've seen people get upset. And not just because of the kind of music that's being played, but because they're not up there. I mean to tell you folks, it really is. And that's why, you know, you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. Now, I understand that music is a talent. I'm just using that as, as an example. But it's one that has to be given to the Lord. It's one that has to be, you know, you know put back in his hands on a constant basis. Because if it isn't, then like anything else, you know, it, we, we, all of a sudden it's ours. All of a sudden it's something we're doing. And we have to be careful that we forget where this stuff come from. Can you say amen? What's that famous scripture in, in the first chapter of the book of James? Every and every cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Basically, God is the one that brought these talents to this earth. The problem with the world is not that they don't have talent. It's just they're not using it for the Lord. So keep that in mind as we pursue through this. And as you begin to look in your paper, where are your talents at? And, and, and every question is asked there, what can I do to give glory to God with that talent? Man, ask yourself that because that's what God wants to do. And listen to me, folks. We're not going to start some kind of a talent contest here in the church. I, don't, I hope we don't get to that place, you know. But the bottom line is there's room for you to utilize your talents. But can I give you a self-example? They're the best ones that I know. I, I came into the church. About a year after I came into the church, I felt the Lord beginning to call me to preach, to teach, that type of thing. And, I, and just like the Holy Ghost, I had no idea what it was. I didn't, how, I didn't know how this worked. Man, I wasn't even a good churchgoer, let alone a, a preacher. Well... At the church, the same time, there was like eight people who felt their same calling. 
And man, I, I mean, people were, you know, I'm not saying they were fighting each other, <laughs> but they were, you know, there was some competition going on about preaching at the pulpit in Dubuque, Iowa. And I'm not going to tell you that I wouldn't have mind preaching there, but I could, it didn't take rocket science. See, I'm the dummy, you know. I can look at this and say, huh, this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to find another place to preach. And you know something? For about two and a half years, that's exactly what I did. You know, I looked around Dubuque, Iowa, which is a very old community, and in that community, there were 15 nursing homes. 15 of them. Some of them were huge. Some of them been there for hundreds of, or at least 100 years. Well, the Lord began to deal with me about going and holding services in those nursing homes. And folks, within a couple of months, my schedule was full. I was preaching every week, sometimes two and three times a week. And these other guys were waiting for, you know, a, an occasional Sunday night that Brother Dix would let them preach. Now, who was the smart one? No, I'm just kidding. But that was God. Now, I'm just telling you, that was God. God said, I gave you a talent because I didn't believe God, you know. And so that's what I did is I began to look around the city and said, what can I do? And for about three and a half, four years, that's what I did. I just, I would go to every nursing home. I would take my guitar. I would sometimes sing and then I would preach, that type of thing. You know, I don't know if anybody got the Holy Ghost in those services, but I'm going to tell you something, folks. God did wonders for me while I was serving him. Now, come on, that's what I'm talking about. If it doesn't matter if we ever get any credit for it, you'd be surprised what we would do for God. Shall I say that again? It's the truth, though. If it doesn't matter if we get credit for it, then that'll open up a lot of doors for us. And so this is what God wants to do with your talents. Amen. And who knows? You know, who knows what God will do? So right off the bat, we understand that these talents came from God. Second of all, you know, these three servants, you know, there was no difference in them. It was just in the way that they, they, they approached what God had given them. Amen. We can say, well, one got more than the other and that type of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty obvious. But it was in the approach that that one, you know, took. Oh, my goodness, it got him into trouble. And so this is what I'm hoping will happen to you, that you will look at the talents that, everybody say it, God gave me. Yes. The talents that God gave you and start, praise God, saying, God, where can I utilize these things at? Where can I put these things to use? And wow, you watch the doors come open, praise God. And so the bottom line here is, is I am, I'm going to, I made up my mind, I will faithfully invest my talents in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? amen. Sister Carnahan, go ahead and play that, that uh, video. Would you do that, please? You know, I've never been strung out on drugs. I've never been in prison. I've never stolen anything that I know of in my life. But it doesn't mean that I haven't required God's incredible, amazing mercy and forgiveness. Because the Apostle James told us in James 2.10, he said that if you keep the whole law, yet you fail in one point, you're guilty of all of it. And Lord knows that my thoughts haven't always been right. My words haven't always been right. My heart hasn't always been right. 
And so even failing in one small point means that I need all of God's grace and all of God's mercy as if I had broken every one of his commandments. And because of that great mercy that I have received, it causes me to express my gratitude in worship, in praise, in thanksgiving to him. How should we do that? How much should we show? Should it be based off our personality? Should it be based off our physical ability? Well, I believe that it should be based off what Jesus told us to do, which is the very first commandment, and that is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength whatever strength you have, whatever mental ability you've got, whatever's in your heart, give it all to him because he's worthy of it. Because the same grace that the worst sinner in our estimation needs is the same grace that we all need in our own lives. So worship him extravagantly because he's worthy, because we need his grace and mercy so much in our lives. Praise God. What what great sound advice. You know, Jesus, of course, simplifying the law, you know, said that, you know, let's just hinge the law in two hinges. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And so we understand that that's a big integral part of taking these talents, praise God, and doing what God wants us to do with them. It's because of our tremendous love for God. Amen. So consider that, praise God. Now, let me mention another point here when it comes to talents. Sometimes... You know, again, I, I, well, I don't believe sometimes, I believe most of the time, all the time probably, that there's going to be things that, will, that God will bring to us that we don't know how to handle. We don't, we, we don't have the, the experience and that type of thing. And so what has to happen, in my opinion, is we need to learn how to invest. Invest, you know, Sunday morning we talked about the fact that, that um, God wants to give everyone in this church a fresh, a fresh anointing, praise God. And he spoke very vividly to me on Saturday when he said that, that he will do that as they commit themselves to me. Because God knows, God understands, praise God, who you and I are. And you and I, we need to commit ourselves to God to keep ourselves fastened right there in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so again, with these talents, God comes first. God comes first. I'll never forget after, after singing in the world for 10 years and, and hearing some very, very good musicians and playing with some very good musicians, I had never, ever, ever really recognized true anointed music until that first Sunday I walked into the Mary Wooden Chrissy. And that was after I got baptized. When I walked in there, I mean, I, and I'm not a professional musician by any means, I'm still learning how to play the piano the whole nine years, but the bottom line is, folks, I could recognize the anointing of, of, of music the first time I walked in that door. And so this is what God, in my opinion, wants to do with our talents. He wants to bring anointing, fresh anointing, where you can be the only person living for God in, in the entire school, but boy, people are going to see, they're going to sense something about you because of the anointing, praise God, that not only breaks the yoke, but eventually can destroy the yoke. Can you say amen? I'm telling you, God, God, I'm telling you, God wants to do some great things, praise God, with you and with me in Jesus' name. But we're going to have to be willing to invest. We're going to have to invest, and that's why I brought out the fact that time, time is one of the biggest things that you and I, you know, run up against every day. It just doesn't seem like there's enough time in the day, in the week, in the month, in the year. It just doesn't. But that's why you and I must prioritize the things of God and take those talents like that, that the story tells us and invest those talents. And that's what those two did. 
That's what the two that made the difference. That's what the one didn't do. The one just dug a hole and put it in there and just thought, well, hopefully, you know, he won't get that mad at me, you know, and that type of thing. What a, what a life of living for God. And so let's not fall into that category. Let's take the things that God has given us and let's invest them into his kingdom and let's see what, what, you know, what God can do in Jesus' name because I believe as we invest in the kingdom of God, it's going to bring about a joy and the joy of serving the Lord. Praise God. There's just nothing, well, there is probably several things, but it's one of the top tier as far as I'm concerned. The joy of the Lord becomes our strength. It's something that can take us from a real, real low place and, 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 and advance us up in Jesus' name. And so the joy of serving, praise God, and that's really what it comes down to. God wants to bring that back into the church. The joy of doing something for the Lord, praise God. And so this is what he wants, wants us to do. Now, you know, the question has to be asked, you know, will I do my part? I mean, that's, that's what we got to do. And, and the reason I, we, I felt like I wanted to use these papers tonight is let's get it on paper. Come on, let's get it out there. What do I do? What kind of things do I have skills in that I could use for the kingdom of God? And I, you know, if you want to talk to me about it, if you want to, you know, make an appointment and, and say, boy, is this really something that's viable, I, I'd be glad to talk to you. But I'm going to tell you right off the bat that God can use anything. Amen. And he wants to use you in Jesus' name. Now listen, if God only gave you one talent, he does not expect you to bring five back. See, God wasn't comparing. He was just noting what they did with them, Okay. And realistically, the, the parable talks about the fact that he gave the five to the one that, he's, that, 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 could, that could do it. And there are some people that are talented in life. There are some people that, that can really make some things work. And in my, my opinion, if they will just keep focused and keep doing that for the Lord, they'll never get the big head. But what a responsibility. What a responsibility. You know, Jesus said this, I think it was in Luke, where he said, to, much, to whom much has been given, much is required. And so there is a responsibility that comes with having talents and doing it for the Lord. There really is. There's a responsibility. And I understand that sometimes weighs heavily on us. But that's why, again, you know, if we invest and we take it one day at a time and we just do what the Lord wants us to do, I'm going to tell you something, folks. You're going to find sooner or later it's not that heavy of a load. It's something that God can help you to, to, to bring to pass in Jesus' name. Now think about this. You know, he doesn't expect us to bring five if he only gives us one. He expects you to take the one talent he gave you and invest it to glorify him and bless his kingdom. Now if that isn't simple, I don't know what is. That's what God expects us to do. Now if he gave you two talents, he expects you to use both of them and use them for his glory. It's the same principle. Bless his kingdom. Come on, somebody say that with me. Bless his kingdom. Yes. Now, if he gave you five talents, be thankful and use those talents to point people to Jesus, not just to you. And as Jesus said, here it is, it says, to whom much is given, much is required. Praise God. And so that means you and I must learn how to use the giftings and the callings of God. You know, the understanding is, is that the giftings and the callings of God are without repentance. 
Now, there's been some discussion about that verse of Scripture, too. But in my opinion, I think one of the simplest renditions of that is when God gives you something, he doesn't take it back. Now, you can lay it down. You can refuse to use it. And I'm not here to indict you. I'm just saying, but God doesn't take it back based upon behavior. He doesn't. Praise God. And so this is, this is tremendous. Back in the 50s, you know, before I was born, actually in, right after World War II, there was a rise in the United States of faith healers. I read an account one time where there were over 200 faith healers that were traveling throughout the United States at that time. People who would go and hold meetings in, in halls and places like that, and, and they, would, they would have healing services. Now, understandably, folks, some of that was, they were shysters. They already had people already in the audience that they were going to handpick. And so there's always been that type of thing. And unfortunately, what that did was that shut down the gifts of the Spirit in some of our Pentecostal churches because of that leeriness. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't check it out. We better make sure it's the real deal. Can you say amen? But the bottom line is, just because somebody doesn't use it right doesn't mean that we shouldn't use it. And that never made any sense to me. Let's learn how to use it. But there was one guy, and, and of course he's been long dead, but his name is A.A. Allen. He was a man that, from what I understand, I read some books, I never met the guy, did not know him firsthand, but I re read some accounts, personal accounts of people that were amongst his ministry. And he had the goods. I mean, this guy, he would lay hands on people and they, cancers would be removed. I mean, healings would take place. But this guy was an alcoholic. Towards the end of his ministry, they had to pour coffee in this guy to get him so he could stand up on the stage. But the point I'm making is God never took that gift of healing from him. Now, I'm not advocating that we do it the way he did it, but I'm just trying to make the point, folks. Now, that man, from all accounts, and I'm not the judge, God is the final judge, but he died away from God. Now, the point I'm making is that God wants you to be saved. God wants you to stay saved. He wants you to make it inside those pearly gates in Jesus' name. That's why God will put rules and regulations into your life. That's why God says, give it to me. Just keep giving it to me and I can handle this, praise God. And I'll keep you humble. I'll keep you where you can be. Come on, you don't realize what a great gift that is that God does for us. Come on, he doesn't want us, you know, being used mightily and on his behalf and then losing our salvation. Come on, folks, that does never, that will never, never ever make any sense to me <clears throat> that's why God will put precautions in our lives that's why God will 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 try to get you regimented in the word because thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against you not the giftings and so this is what God wants to do praise God he wants to bring that balanced attack into our life yes he wants to use us yes even this night there all of you have giftings that God has already given you I'm hoping that this will lead you down a trail where you'll start recognizing that and start being used and start realizing that you can minister according to the ability which the Lord gives you. And you can find the true joy of the Lord. You can find true purpose. I'm not saying you're not going to have your good days and your not so good days, but you're going to be on top of your game. You're going to realize, praise God, that I'm a child of the King, praise God. I am a child of the King, praise God.
Amen. And God can help you to be used in his kingdom. Can somebody say amen? Let's take about 30 seconds right now and lift our hands. And let's pray. Let's ask God to anoint us with that, that kind of a message. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, I feel the precious, precious, fresh anointing in this place again. It's just as thick as it was Sunday morning, right here, right in this place right now. Oh, that's right. Ha, ta, borato komahasta, in the name of Jesus. Yes, you can, God. Yes, you will use us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, let's take a, let's take a few minutes here, and let's go through your devotionals. I, I hope that you're reading these things. Because, man, these things have got some really, in, uh, um, you know, uh, incredible messages for us. You know, day one, it talks about increased responsibilities and, and demonstrating a manager's faith in a worker by giving them more responsibility. Now, you think about that. You know, and most of us, if you're like me, I don't want any more responsibility. I already got my speech memorized. Praise God, yes. Yeah, if nominated, I will not run. If elected, I will not serve. <laughs> Johnson, you remember that? Someone, that's the speech he gave. Praise God. But I got to get rid of that. Because as long as God wants to use me, who am I to argue? Now again, that's why placing it in his proper perspective is what we've got to do. And so God will give us responsibility. He's trying to teach us to grow up. And a lot of times that's what responsibility will do. Amen. And so think about that as you read through this, praise God, that God wants to help us, you know, to, to be able to handle more responsibilities. How about day two? Did you, did, you, did you know that was Stevie Wonder that they were talking about there? He's always amazed me. My goodness. I, one of these days I'm going to play the song service and I'm going to close my eyes. And you'll see how good we can do it blind, huh? Yeah. I can't imagine that. But he did that. But I thought he made an excellent point when he was asked the question that he thought that his, was his blindness a disadvantage? And you see, this is the world we're living in. Excuse me just a little bit, but that's what psychology will do. Psychology will start saying, oh, poor you. You're down. You're this and you're that. And you've got to understand, God doesn't have any disadvantages. He only has advantages. And that's why when you will apply God's way to your life, you'll get involved in the advantages that God has, which will far exceed any disadvantages you think you have in the name of Jesus. I thought that was an excellent thought, praise God. You know, that, hey, come on, God will use these things. And man, God has used that in that man's life. I mean, he, there's no question about it. He was a brilliant musician. My goodness, songwriter, that type of thing, you know. And so think about that with your own life, praise God. Yes, you probably do have some, well, not probably, you do have some weaknesses, praise God. But the bottom line is with the Lord, you have advantages that he wants to bring to the surface. And I believe that's where, where sometimes, you know, a tremendous witness can, can, can be held and can be had in Jesus' name. How about day number three, Albert Einstein. Praise God. I would have liked to have met him, you know. I think he, he was just kind of a cool guy. 
you know. He just was. He had a little revenge in him, though. You know, yeah, and inventing the atomic bomb. He was a true blue Jew. You know who he wanted to have? Stories told, you want to know who he wanted that bomb used on, don't you? Yeah, Germany, you know. But the bottom line is, I thought this was a very touching story, how that he just took time, you know, to, um, to help people around him, especially with this little girl. And, and, you know, we could all, you know, use that reminder from time to time. This is what God puts us on this earth for a lot of times, is to help one another, praise God. And that's what I hope I do as the pastor of this church in my teachings. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm trying to lift you up. I look into the eyes of people every Sunday and Wednesdays and Bible studies and that type of thing, and I see possibilities. I see people like you who can rise to occasions and really, really be used of God. And I'm, I'm expecting that in Jesus' name. And so I thought that was a, that was a tremendous example, you know, of, of, of somebody who, my goodness, you know, Albert Einstein, you know, don't they, re, don't they think or didn't somebody say one time that he probably was one of the, the smartest people that ever lived or that type of thing? I don't know. But nevertheless, I thought it was pretty cool what he did. Praise God. And then I thought about this one on day four, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. According to the Journal of Religion and Health, I don't know who that is, the way people view God influences their mental health. And I thought, well, yeah. Think about it. Researchers discovered that symptoms such as social anxiety, paranoia, obsessional thinking, and uncontrollable compulsions were the highest among people who view God as punitive. When we view God as angry, vengeful, and unloving. Think about that. Yeah, what else is there to live? Boy, it's kind of like me. I thought God was ticked off at me for years. I didn't think he wanted anything to do with me. You know, but when I found out that his love was made available to me, through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, one of the greatest lives, one of the greatest days ever that I ever lived, changed my whole view, praise God. And so think about it, praise God. And so you think about how people, how do they think about God? That really does have something to do. You know, he, he, they went on to say, it is difficult to believe that he will protect, heal, and provide. Instead, on a neurological level, the brain will perceive God as a threat. Wonder no people don't want anything to do with God. But how many here in this room believe that God's a healer? Come on, I believe that people can step in from that sidewalk, walk in here, and before they get the second song sung, they can be healed of that kind of stuff. I believe that. I believe that God's presence will heal people. Praise God. And so think about that. Amen. You know, Philippians 4, that's, you know, a perfect place. The peace of God, you know. That's why I'm saying a lot of times before we get healing, in my opinion, we need peace. We need to know God's in this, in Jesus' name. And so think about it. And then day number five, I thought this was pretty cool too, that on May 20th, 1862, Abraham Lincoln signed the Homestead Act and to accelerate the settlement of the Western Territory. And I thought that this was very well thought out. Because it says the act allowed the head of the family to acquire 160 acres of public land and to claim the land, this person was required to live on the land, build a house, and improve the land through farming. I think that's reasonable. We don't want any one-talent people out there in the West, do we? I'm just kidding, just kidding. But it's the truth. They said, listen, we'll give you the land, but you're going to have to make some improvements. And you know, I believe it's the same way in the kingdom of God. 
I believe when we come into the kingdom of God and God, you know, he helps us to begin to repent, change our minds. And then he shows us that we can get our complete past taken care of through Jesus' name, baptism, washed, cleansed. And then he fills us with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What a deal. Well, some people think that, well, now I can just sit around, kick my feet up, and I'm just, you know, wait for the second coming of the Lord. Well, that's where we make a mistake. I believe that God expects us to make some improvements. Come on, he doesn't expect us to go to certain places anymore because we're not going to get our joy there. He doesn't expect us to hang around certain things because we're not going to get, we're not going to get influenced by God there. It's just simple things, folks. Make improvements. And so when they did this, after five years on the land, the head of the family was entitled to the property, deed free and clear, except for the $18 it cost them to register. But the bottom line is, I thought that was a good requirement. Come on, we've got to make some improvements. You've got to put some skin in the game. You've got to show, praise God, that you really do want this stuff. And I believe that every person has that ability. Amen. If you read that 12th chapter of the book of Romans, if you want to study about the servant gifts, you're going to find that God has given to every person the measure of faith. And so you and I, we've got enough to get started, praise God, every day of our lives. Amen. And so I hope that this lesson, um, along with those papers, and I'm not going to grade them, I'm not going to pick them up, I just thought I'd pass them out and give them to you, and maybe there'll be some people in here that you'll just be thinking, wait a minute, I, I, I want to be used of God, and start taking a little bit of inventory about your life right now. God has given you some tremendous giftings, praise God, in the name of Jesus, praise God. Can I give you one tonight? She didn't, I didn't get her permission, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, Kristen, I admire you. I really do. I appreciate you. You know what this lady did this week? She took somebody to the hospital on Monday and spent there all day until today. In the midst of a snowstorm, did you get ahead of the snowstorm? Okay, good. I was worried about you. But that's what she did. Now, you talk about a gifting from God. That's right there. That one there is, is right, right there. And I appreciate that. that. That, to me, just means a lot. Amen. And so that's what I'm talking about, folks. I'm talking about the ability to do those kind of things. Praise God. When we were in the world, yeah, we might have done it, you know, but we wouldn't have done it like, like we do it with, with, with God in Jesus' name. And so I just want you to understand, in this church, we have those opportunities, and God is going to help you to rise to that level in Jesus' name. Why don't we stand tonight? Why don't we lift up our hands in confidence again? Because we know God has made his love available to us, hasn't he? Come on, he's made his love available to us. And so why don't we just ask him to help us with this talent thing? Let's ask him to help us, to invest Help us to find the true joy of serving God again. Come on, we can do this. We can do this because God made us in his image. And I believe that tonight, praise God, could be, could be the crossroads for somebody here in the name of Jesus. That's it. Lord God, I thank you for the anointing. I release that into this place. Lord God, that everyone here, Lord God, has the ability to achieve because you gave it to them, Lord God. You gave them that ability. And Lord God, I just pray that you will help them to see that in the name of Jesus. And as always, God, I give you the praise. I give you the glory and the credit for everything that you're doing, Lord God, because you are the master of the universe. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. 
And Lord God, I give you praise and I give you glory in the name of Jesus. Can we just finish this off by praising him? Come on, why don't you lift up your voice? And...